What a glorious amen. My goodness. Thank you. Let us pray together. Oh God, might we be quick to listen and slow to speak because that is what you do every day and have done for all time. For we humbly understand that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts might actually be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Consider with me this morning that the world is one big family. And think with me about human relationships in in this way. We know some members of our family intimately. Some we know by name only. We pass some family members in the grocery store or an airport and think to ourselves, that person looks familiar, but I can't quite place them. And some we do not know and we will never meet. We read about our most famous family members in the newspapers or online. Family members on the Supreme Court announcing rulings, natural disasters in Central America, and the tragic loss of family members' lives. Family members running in primary elections across the country. Untimely famous family members' deaths. Upcoming summits in far-off places between family members, the list could go on. This gives us a different perspective to who our family is, does it not? Biologists tell us that all life was created to work together. Psychologists tell us that families are inextricably related in family systems. And theologians tell us that God created the world to be good because all the world was created by God. And yet life happens here and now to each of us individually. Trusted leaders make decisions you don't really agree with. Biological or chosen family members are hurt by others' words and actions. Dear friends, loved ones are injured in accidents. Our beloved church community still sits in transition. To be loose with this morning's scripture, life comes home. I trust that God lives within the realities of the world, yet distinct and separate from the world, And that God intimately cares for, weeps with, and works for good in the midst of everything that happens in our frail existence. Where do you wish to go when life becomes too heavy to bear? For me, and I suspect for some of you, you hope to go home. One of those homes for many of us is the scriptures. The story of our human life together and God's loving and faithful interaction with us. The story of how we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And yet, because God loves us that much more than we can ever understand, God came to this hopelessly confused earth and showed us a different way. A way of peace, hope, understanding, and love in the person of Jesus Christ. So listen, listen this morning with all the things going on in your life, in our life together as First Presbyterian Church, and in the world all around us at the forefront of your mind, to two parts of that great and ever-evolving story. From the Gospel of Mark, then he went home. His mother and his brothers came, speaking of Jesus, and standing outside, They sent for him and called him. 
a crowd was sitting around him, and they, the crowd who had been chastising him, said to him, Your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And Jesus replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And from Paul's second canonized letter to the church in Corinth. So we do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. Because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent is, we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I offer you to, this, to you this morning that family sits at the center of both of these texts. All of us have a family or families, those we are born to, those we choose, those who choose us. Some of us do not particularly like our family all the time. That is okay too, thanks be to God. And some of us wish to never leave the presence of those we love the most. Jesus broadens the definition of family in this little snippet from Mark's gospel. Through a sharply worded retort, Jesus' turn-the-tables response to a jeering crowd's question helps the listener understand that the family of God is not just those whom we know and love or gave us birth. One of the primary goals the writer of Mark attempted to achieve with his telling of Jesus' life and ministry was to usher in a new reign of God that was an alternative to Roman rule. Throughout the Gospel of Mark, Jesus forces those who listen to him to make a choice. In our text this morning, Jesus, through his rhetorical question, who are my mother and my brothers, forces those who listen to look beyond the present reality that Jesus' biological parent and siblings are in their midst, but to instead understand that a family relationship is not just those with whom you share genetics and then choose to follow that way. That is to say that Jewish and Christian identity is not bound together by Rome, but by Creator God. For the writer or writers of Mark, the kingdom of God was close at hand. Many scholars, including Brian Blunt, argue that Mark is apocalyptic literature. And those who believed in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ had to act quickly in order to restore humanity to faithfulness. Faithfulness that could not be lived into while the Romans were in charge, for the end times were at hand. Mark's Jesus comes to the world to institute a new relationship between God and humanity that invites this new age of love, peace, and justice. So for Mark's Jesus to say that anyone who followed the will of God was his mother and brother was provocative stuff. Take note of the silence that followed Jesus' proclamation that broadened our idea of family. 
No one spoke after Jesus asked this important question, who are my mother and my brothers? He had to answer the question for them. The silence underlies the gravity of this question. The average rabbi would not ask something like that to those engaged in conversation with him. These listeners who had been chastising and challenging Jesus earlier in the story were probably a little angry that Jesus would make them consider anything other than their immediate best interest. They might say, I know who my relations are. Surely I don't have anything to do with that guy standing over there. But Jesus was attempting to prove a point. As Jesus so often does in Mark and makes the listener understand that this tribalistic mentality was not the way for God's love to be made known in amazing ways. Jesus is telling us that family might be defined more clearly by what your family does and is less rooted in who your family is. That is not to say our biological or chosen family is not important, nor the way in which we become the people we are. As Mary Kay mentioned, my own family, who I love very deeply, are with us in worship this morning. I'm sure we'll talk about that previous statement over lunch. (laughs) But I would like to explore our family in this place. Our family that is the larger church and our family that is the world. Because remember, we're still thinking as if the world is one big family. What does our faith history tell us so that we might do the faithful work of listening to God's will so that we might be counted among Christ's siblings and parents? What do we do when we go home? Family is the very essence of who we are. No matter the configuration of those who are part of your family or who my friend Ashley Ann calls her people, your family is indeed who you are. They are the people you call when you're on your way home from work and are caught in traffic in the bottleneck at Cary Street and River Road or at the Bryan Park Interchange. Your people are the ones who drop a Valentine's Day or Christmas card in your mailbox. Your family are people who would drop everything and hold you up when you cannot hold yourself up upon learning of the death of a parent or a child. God knitted family into our consciousness to give humanity a support system because humans are not meant to live alone. We are all grafted together in beautiful, surprising, often confusing and grace-filled ways to show us the beautiful, surprising, often confusing, grace-filled love of God that springs forth new every morning. This grace roots us in Christ's love through the Spirit gives us courage to face whatever might be in the forefront of our minds and affirms the loving presence of God in our lives. As the creation narratives tell us, God created humanity to be in relationship with one another. We see this proven true even from the earliest records of our faith history. God's covenants with humanity throughout the Old Testament and even in that upper room the night before Jesus' arrest give us reason to celebrate us. Or, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer referred to it, life together. Church mothers and fathers across our Christian history have debated just what us is. Is us, those silent listeners in the story from Mark, unwilling to accept the possibility that all who do the will of God are part of Jesus' family? Is us, those who believe the same thing as me, Is us those with the same skin color as me? 
Is us just those within my purview? Is us those who vote like me or drive a car like me or have a house that is worth as much as mine? Or is us those who stand on the street corner underneath the sign that tells them not to? Or is us the children at George Mason Elementary School or in Bluefields, Nicaragua? Or is us the new church member who came here because we are just so friendly? Family, it seems to me that us is a visible sign of God's love made known to us in Jesus Christ. That is grace that shows up so undeservedly and unexpectedly every day. I could say that to be the case, but Lin-Manuel Miranda said it much more bluntly, poetically and perfectly than I could ever muster. He said, love is, love is love, is love, is love, is love, is love. Because friends in Christ, family is love. The church is a place where family is created and recreated every day. It goes without saying that our world needs a little church these days. I'm grateful personally for a church that thinks critically and creatively about the ways it family, its family looks and what its family does in the world. This week, I will travel to St. Louis, Missouri for the 223rd General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church USA. As Mary Kay mentioned, you received an insert in your bulletin today. Take it home with you. It really is really riveting information. This meeting occurs every two years to consider the ways in which our family engages with itself and the world around us. Many important topics will be considered at this assembly. Our corporate expression, where our mission dollars are spent, whether or not to divest our funds from the public portfolios of companies who mine fossil fuels, and many, many more. Like I said, you have an insert in your bulletin. Read it. This is an important way our Presbyterian family lives into its life and ministry. I invite you to follow the General Assembly through updates on social media, the church website, the Presbyterian Outlook, and specifically in your prayers. And friends, right here on Cary Street, our church has invested much time and energy to recreate the processes and ways our family interacts with one another. Our deacons are re-energized. The new organizational chart is inviting more people into leadership Within our church, Outreach Council is looking at all the different ways our church lives out its public mission and ministry. Faith Formation Council is galvanizing our education. Strategic development is helping the congregation think about year-round generosity. And First Presbyterian Preschool is busting at the seams. God is recreating us to do God's work in a changing world. Thanks be to God. Through this season of transition... This painful, confusing, and seemingly never-ending season, God is doing amazing stuff in this place. I am convinced that the church, and we are part of it, must allow God to constantly recreate us to do God's work if we are to be faithful in mission and in ministry. We are allowing God to do that work, but what are we telling others? How are we inviting people into this family? Is it our beloved building? Remember what Paul said about that in our second reading. Is it the ways we engage with the world? Remember that family looks a lot different today than it did in days long gone. 
Is it through the work of our PNC? I know they are doing mighty, mighty faithful work bathed in prayer. Or is it through each of us? Yes, we are the church. We are our family. And what we say and do in the world around us matters intimately. Consider this. Thousands of cars pass by our church every day. What do they think of when they think of First Presbyterian Church? What do you think of when you pass by First Presbyterian Church? It is my prayer that those who sojourn past our little corner of Richmond think of family. Because at the end of the day, that is who we are through Jesus Christ. I've used the novels of Pat Conroy as the vehicle to explore my sense of self. His imaginative and illustrious image-inducing prose paints a picture of the South Carolina low country that causes your brain to convince itself that you smell the salt water and sea air while sitting underneath old palmetto trees as a tugboat passes by on its way into Charleston Harbor, all the while slowly swaying in a hammock blown by the sea breeze. His book, The Water is Wide, helped me understand my own call to ministry. This book, a memoir of his year teaching in the two-room schoolhouse on Defusky Island near Beaufort as the first white teacher in an all-black school, showed me that vocational vulnerability while being supported by those who love me the most, that is family, by the way, is one of the circumstances God intends for our lives. Conroy writes at the very end of this memoir of the children he taught, of the Defusky children, I can say little. I felt much beauty in my year with them. It hurt me very badly to leave them. For them, I leave a single prayer that the river is good to them in the crossing. In a simple epitaph, Conroy sums up the reason why family is so important. That in life and in death, whatever form they may take, we belong to God. And because we belong to God, we are free to do exactly what God calls us to do, even at the risk of our lives. And that, and that is God's will. And when we go home, wherever that may be, we go trusting that those who greet us there know the same thing too. And that the river is good to them in the crossing. In the name of God, the creator. Christ the Redeemer, and the Holy Spirit our Sustainer. Amen.